Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, March 10th, 2023. Today on the Ether, Alpha Growth hosts a discussion on Neutron Tech, Interchain Security, and Developer Onboarding. Let's take a listen. We got Mr. Soy up here. Soy 2 Studio. We got Neutron. We got Alpha Growth. Welcome to the AMA. No, no, no. Everybody, Brian Colligan from Alpha Growth. And uh, we are here today to talk Neutron, ICS, Interchange Security, Developer Onboarding, everything, everything interesting and available and what's going on with Neutron. We got Soy from the team. Uh, Kirill on my team is here. Can someone give me a thumbs up or, or speak if you can hear me? Thumbs up. We are good. Yep, I can hear you. You hear me okay? Dude, I love your your beautiful, beautiful accent. It is it is amazing. I'm super excited to talk to you today. Um, we are <laughs> here to talk about Neutron. We are here to talk about ICS and learn and observe and figure out what is this whole thing going on? What is Neutron? And uh, is Spade from your side? Are you guys set up and ready to go? Or um, No, um, I think... I'm not sure if you want to invite the Neutron account up onto okay. the panel. That's just our marketing guy, Tom. He's kind of here for presence. Totally. Uh, we're just waiting on Spade, Spade to arrive. He's going to join with his personal account, I believe. Um, so, uh, so yeah, like don't want to hold things up too much, uh, but hopefully he'll, he'll be here shortly. Totally. And yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks for the uh, introduction. Like I said, um, I think the the main guest that you want to be speaking with here today is Spade. He's our main guy. Uh, the fountain of knowledge of, of Neutron. I'm just sort of a, a community manager. Uh, you'll generally sort of find me around the community, as as you know, we've we've met before. Totally. Um, and I'm just sort of involved with uh, with yeah, engaging with the community, being a community presence, and then sort of working around with uh, with validators and stuff like that, and helping out with test nets and stuff like that in the background as well. Awesome. Hey, Kirill, can you make me a co-host so we can help bring some people up here? That'd be rad. Um. Cool. So we're waiting for Spade. Uh, we'll give a little bit of background from about Alpha Growth. Alpha Growth helps projects in a couple of ways, helps chains in a couple of different ways. For projects, we help them find grants, we help them find investors, and then we help them find uh, to let their population know and their audience know and consumers know what they can do with their token. That's not out there and launched yet, but we're working on it. We're building on it. Uh, for chains, we help provide chains with lots of utility, utility in form of dApps and projects and whatever they need. Um, we could come into our database every day. We're tracking 26,000 crypto projects and 1.5 million data points are coming in every single day with on-chain data, off-chain data to help find and define who is growing in crypto. Looks like we got Spade from Neutron here now. What's up, Spade? Hey, folks. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Well, thanks for coming. It's been... Uh, it, very excited to uh, to to get started and learn about Neutron and 
like just start from the beginning like what how did you get started in neutron what was your journey like and uh, and what's the problem and mission you guys are going after love to hear more sure so um basically in a nutshell we were we we built a few dApps um before including uh, light on terra back before like in in the days of the bull market when things were uh better or at least more valuable i guess <laughs> um and you know that protocol was a bit of a behemoth it was the second largest lido implementation it had 10 billion dollars of tvl but the thing was we were unhappy with it because it was very constrained it was constrained to one chain in an ecosystem of like 50 plus blockchains and you know we we saw all the tech like all the stuff that was being built on ibc and we were really keen on um being able to you know leverage that that tech to make cross-chain protocols um and so we we spent a lot of time and efforts in researching you know like what does that actually look like um in the context of of cosmos how do you scale a small contract based project in cosmos um because traditionally what you do is you just take a set of small contract and you copy paste them with slight modifications to the new environment right um but in cosmos that approach kind of fails because there are way too many chains so the overhead just goes um out of hand very quickly and it's just not possible because most chains don't have small contract capabilities right and so a different architecture that that actually matches cosmos's identity as an ecosystem was required and while we were doing that research basically um we came up with an architecture that would allow us to make a protocol and it could be a liquid staking protocol or anything else at this point, basically, because the, the the research had become very like theoretical, like how do you do cross-chain protocols in, in Cosmos, basically. And so, you know, we had designed an architecture that leveraged interesting accounts and interesting queries to build a protocol that could onboard any chain in Cosmos in just a few transactions. Um, and, you know, perhaps that would be um, linked to a governance proposal, in which case you would have to wait for people to vote and stuff. but but on the technical level, the only thing you needed to expand to a new chain was for that chain to have IBC and to execute one transaction, and then that would, you know, onboard that chain. And so, you know, the, from a kind of like architecture perspective, that was like extremely exciting. It was a way to make a protocol that would be way more scalable, way more efficient, um, completely trustless as well. But the problem was that the infrastructure to build that protocol just didn't exist. It wasn't there. Um, you could get closed to what too cl close to what you would have needed by building your own chain and building your own infrastructure for that. But then you would run into the other problem, which was, um, you know, it's very difficult to bootstrap a high degree of security on the on the new chain first, um, and you know, a high degree of security overall, and to maintain that over time. And it's also very expensive because you know we have like tremendously successful chains in cosmos like osmosis for example osmosis has been doing a good job and it has um you know last year it generated like 50 million dollars of revenue um if like at least according to defi lama last time i checked um so th that's pretty good right the problem is that when you factor in um the inflation that the osmo token has to go through in order to remain secure um actually osmosis made losses and and that that's not an osmosis problem, right? That that's a problem on every chain, um, because keeping a chain secure, keeping a validator set loyal, um, over time costs a tremendous amount of money. 
And so basically while doing that research and seeing all of these, um, you know, the beauty of the architecture and the things that could be built and also the challenges of, of actually doing so, we were like, wait, actually, that's, that's the problem that we need to solve, basically. We need to make it possible for people to build that kind of applications and to do so as easily as possible, as efficiently as possible with the less um, hurdle overhead as possible, um, and, and to make it very secure and very scalable, basically. And that's what brought us to you know, work full-time on, on building Neutron for the last maybe eight, eight months now. Um, uh, I've kind of like kept track of how many months, but because we're like getting so close to launching now, but um, yeah, I guess that's kind of like the journey that, that, that brought us to, to that work. All right, so that's a lot. Okay, let me, let me break this down, see if I reflect a little bit here. Um, the biggest problem, so there's two, two kind of main problems. One is how do you make a smart contract platform in IBC and the Cosmos ecosystem that can quickly integrate smart contracts in a lot of different chains? That seems like one of the problems that you're solving. And then the other problem that you're solving is that the uh, the emission rate or effectively the like the staking rewards is a lot of times less, especially in a bear market, than the costs associated with getting the associated security. That's not exactly that that's not exactly what I'm saying. Okay. What I'm saying is that the, okay. the the staking rewards themselves to the chain are a cost. Actually, inflating your supply dilutes the value of your tokens essentially. Um, so 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 basically, the chains have to pay the cost of security to secure themselves, right? Um, and that cost of security needs to be counterbalanced by revenue that are higher um, or equal, at least. To, to their cost of security. And that's, very, very, that's a very high threshold, is what I'm saying. Um, and so, so, so that, that's, that's kind of a clarification. But, but in a nutshell, what we're saying is that it's difficult and it's expensive to secure an application in a sustainable manner. And it's difficult but very beneficial to be able to build applications that can onboard other chains without having to build custom solutions every time um, and, and without having to like redeploy smart contracts all over the place and stuff. What, what we're saying is that with Neutron, you can create one set of smart contract, you can build your app once, deploy it on Neutron, and then from Neutron, you can interact with the rest of Cosmos. You can transfer tokens, obviously, but you can also register, like your application can register accounts on other chains it can own and manage tokens on that other chain. It can execute transactions and not just like, you know, fire and forget. It can execute sequences of transactions. Like that has tremendous benefits and for like, you know, for the protocol, but also for the users. For for the from the user's perspective, what that means is that today in Cosmos, to do anything, to use any application, you have to bridge back and forth between these applications, right? Um, that's fine. Everybody in, you know, who's deep in Cosmos knows how to do that. But it's still a lot of manual labor, basically. Um, you know, let's say I have Adam on the Cosmos Hub. I want to get a um, liquid, like liquidity pool position on Osmosis. Like I want to LP on Osmosis. I would have to take my Atom, bridge it to Osmosis, swap half of it to Osmo, deposit in the Atom Osmo pool, and then bond the tokens. Right. With Neutron, what you can do is you can create a very, very simple contract that will do all of these things on your behalf, basically. So from having to do four or five operations. You go to, I have a, a nice UI, 
I tell it what I want to do, right? For, for example, the osmosis outposts. And I tell it what I want to do. I sign one transaction and then the whole thing happens. It just happens, you know, like the, the, the infrastructure takes care of the work for you, basically, so that you, you don't have to focus on the manual like transactions that ne are needed for the thing to happen for you to get where you want to be. You can just focus on, hey, what do you want to do? You express that and then you sign and then it happens. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, and then the other thing is we provide like interesting queries, which are a way for protocols to know what's going on on other blockchains to retrieve information. Um, traditionally, when you make an application, you have to obtain that information in order to, you know, make your application run smoothly, securely. Um, so for example, if I'm, if I'm a, um, a money market, before I let you borrow, I'm going to check that you have deposited collateral, right? Um, and to do so, I, I can use a query that's going to read some, you know, some information somewhere. It's going to return that yes or no, I have deposited collateral. And if you have collateral, then my protocol can let you borrow, basically. Um, the problem is that queries only work on the same blockchain. If I want to do the same, but with a protocol that works on multiple chains, I need to be able to retrieve that data from other chains as well. And so interesting queries allow you to do that. Um, and we can go deeper into the weeds of how we built it and what are like kind of like the, the 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 cool properties of that. But but perhaps for now that that's enough. So in, in a nutshell, Intron allows you to build applications more easily, to secure them more, and to do so for cheaper, and to expand like to allow your applications to expand across any basically any change in Cosmos um, without having to build your own custom solutions for it. And without having to maintain that whole infrastructure yourself, basically. That, that's very cool. All right. So, so you have like an execution layer, you have a query layer, and then is this anything that's IBC connected? Yeah. Or is like, it any, over, any Cosmos chain? Like none of this is kind of like private or, um, you know, all of this is built on IBC. All of it is open source, basically. So we're, we're fully leveraging the existing work in cosmos that is really awesome like the technology in cosmos is really awesome and we're just like taking a lot of the ideas that already um sometimes circulate like interesting accounts for example are, are a thing that is already in cosmos right but it's not utilized much yet so what we're taking what we're doing is we're taking this technology we're making it available to other types of protocols that aren't like of applications that aren't built as chains themselves but are built as small contracts because they're um they're cheaper, faster to 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 build and iterate on, um, and we're making them available to them and making them way more convenient and flexible to use. Um, and then we're also implementing some some of the things that existed as ideas but not in production, uh, like interesting queries. When we started interesting queries, were an idea of something that people knew that should be built in Cosmos, but it didn't exist, and so we made it. That's that's incredible. I I think. So let me let me maybe some standard use cases might be like query and then DCA into an LP position, or maybe I want to take uh, a, your execution layer of Neutron, do a query on which uh, liquid staking derivative like might give me the most yield, and then unstake and stake into the different chains to get potentially the most yield of of different potential liquid staking derivatives, um, or take that liquid staking derivative then. And then run it through a loop, lend it, borrow it, plug it into an LP position, leverage it, 
So you could start to make these different strategies on chain, it sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. So all of the use cases that you described are things that you can build. The only kind of like um, clarification that I would bring here is that most likely these technologies won't be used by the end customer itself himself because like it's just annoying to have to whip out you know your command line interface and do some commands in order to get a like query or stuff um so most likely what's going to happen is that a bunch of developers that want to build cool cross-chain applications are going to come leverage these strategies like these technologies this infrastructure and then build these strategies and because the the infrastructure is kind of like offered to them kind of like pre-packaged and ready to go um they they can focus on developing the strategies themselves finding new opportunities and stuff. And because they're developing as contracts rather than app chains, they don't need to, you know, lose a lot of their focus on managing the validator set, assembling the validator set, making, you know, like all of this, basically they can focus purely on the product itself, which is, hey, let's find the best ways to deploy any sort of asset in Cosmos and generate um, rewards for our users. And then just build that, basically make that happen. So I can imagine from your side that, you guys are going to be working on a bunch of like boilerplates and templates and like some basic examples. And then the developers can then kind of wrap the smart contract in an application in front end and let anybody within the Cosmos ecosystem start to engage in different strategies or potentially DeFi or, or it, it doesn't really matter what kind of strategies. They could be DeFi strategies. They could just be like NFT workflow strategies and anything like, a, like that. Super cool. That's yeah, very cool. We've, we've actually already built these contracts. They're part of like the things that we've open sourced, and are like we we actually have a bit of a like a SDK um, that's like a set of small contracts that are provided with like guidance and tutorials and stuff on how to to actually build these these kind of like simple use cases, and and you can take them and combine them to make way more involved pr protocols. Um, and the, the, another part as well is that like it's very easy for like a lot of the kind of like successful chains and and projects like Osmosis, uh, Stargaze. Nolus and like, well, Nolus is upcoming, so it's it's early to say that they're successful, but they're definitely building cool shit. Um, all of them are, you know, they're building products as app chains. And what's kind of cool about Neutron is that, like, sure, it provides an alternative model to build applications, but it, it it's also um, a, a place where distant app chains can come to meet and actually compose within the same ecosystem. So, for example, you know, there'll be uh, most likely an outpost for, for Osmosis and an outpost for Stargaze and an outpost for Nola. So you could, um, you know, trade, like take on leverage with Nolus and then um, swap your position on Osmosis. And then maybe you're going to invest in that, like use some of that to invest in NFTs or whatever. Like you can, you can compose between the app chains in the same execution environment by just simply launching like very, very simple um, outpost contracts. And then all of this obviously can work with the same unified UX from the user's perspective so that you don't need to think about which chain you're interacting with anymore. You, you don't need to go in your wallet and change the chain every five seconds. You just, you know, you go to the UI, you connect your wallet, you sign the transaction and it works. Got it. So lots of auto compounding, daily rewards, sign the transaction and it works. The, the, the execution layer runs and the outposts then kind of connect to the different, different app chains. Okay, so you, you're doing a yeah, shared you, security... You can easily do like stake, but like fully crushing where, where, you know, you have a very simple smart contract that allows you to like, you know, auto compound or whatever on like any Cosmos chain. Um, yeah, that, that's definitely doable. Very cool. Let, let's go back to the shared security and the interchain security a little bit. We obviously understand 
kind of by using shared security, the, the cost of running your own validator set dramatically comes down. So there should be like potentially less sell pressure on, on your token because the validators need to get revenue for, for allowing the security and providing the security. But what are the risks for ICS? What, what, are, you know, what are you most scared of and what could happen? Uh, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I think there are a few. The, the first one is that, like, obviously, this is a new technology, and that's a technology that's quite involved. Um, it, you know, it, it, it brings two projects and their communities very, very close together and creates kind of a, like an inter interdependency between them um, at the technological, at the security, at the economic and at the political level as well. So it's, it's a very deep type of relationship. And so as a result of this, it's really important to, you know, have very clear communications, have very clear um, kind of like alignment between the two projects so that it's, it's you know, a strong win-win sustainable um, kind of relationship for for both of the projects um so so that's one one of the the things that's really important about interesting security um it does create one risk which is um you know governance doesn't really have like there, there's no court in 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 cosmos or in, in web3 right well i mean some some projects have worked on stuff like that similar right but there's um no entity above sovereign chains that is going to put them on trial or whatever if if they make a promise and then break that that promise right and and that's true for any side of any agreements between between DAOs basically and so one of the things that um is possible but i think can be easily avoided with clear communication and and, and good process is that um on replicated security both the provider chain and the consumer chain may choose to leave that relationship kind of unilaterally and if it's not done like well like you know properly like just like you know once one side like communicates that hey this relationship isn't working for us anymore um we either want to fix it or to end it um and then here's some time for you to prepare and then we just make it happen that that would be a clean version of it but there's also like not so clean versions of, of things like for example um let's say that there's a consumer chain launching and everybody um finds out after like a year or two or whatever um that that chain is making absolutely zero revenue and or it's actually not a good thing for adam to have or that kind of stuff um probably there's an incentive then to terminate that relationship basically and so that can be done gracefully or it can be done a bit more abruptly. Um, so for example, if the validators are, you know, paying a lot of infrastructure costs for that, but not getting any revenue, they may decide to just stop running a node for it. If they, if, you know, like, like enough of the validators, enough of the voting power stops running their node, the chain, like any other Cosmos chain will just halt. Um, and so the, like that's not specific to replicated security in a way, but 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 the problem is that because it's part of that broader context of replicated security, that kind of move could be pretty bad for the go to market for like the credibility of the hub as a as a provider. Um, so so I think like that's why some of the posts on on the forums like preparing for replicated security and the, and, and 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 these sorts of like write ups try to you know ask the question like look how how should these things work in the future because there may be cases in which you know like the relationship isn't working 
for one side or the other, and we either need to renegotiate or to terminate that relationship, in which case we should have a clear vision of that, how that should work, basically. So like I would say there's a bit of a governance risk in that you know if, if the decision is taken from one day to the other, then that could be problematic for both sides. Um, and then the other one, and which, which is the most obvious one, is like technological risk, basically. It's a new technology where, you know, Neutron is the, is the first chain to go. So we're basically going to be pioneering slash testing out the technology. And so if, there, if there's a bug, which is unlikely, um, the, the teams working on this are really, really good. It's been audited where there was a proposal to make a third party audit, audit as well, which is um, happening as far as I know. Um, so, you know, it's it's pretty robust code. It's been running on testnets and stuff, but you can never have 100% certainty that there is absolutely no vulnerability. And so, you know, there may be a bug, in which case that could be potentially pretty bad. Um, but the only thing that we can do about this is to make sure that we are um, applying best practices when developing the code. And surely Informal um, has been really, really good at, at this, um, you know, the way that they they work in development, but also in a in, uh, in in auditing is pretty pretty stellar, um, and auditing so that that's been done and that's going to be doing like uh, you know done again, and just like making sure that that we continue that like maintaining these good practices, watching out for any potential um, security vulnerability, and then just like patching them if they surface basically. Um, so you know like there are risks like anything in this um, in this like industry, but. I think the benefits of interesting security, the close alignment with the hub, the security, um, like all of this is basically far outweighs the risk in our opinion. Um, yeah. That's, that's super interesting. I, I, and not to take it off of Cosmos for a second, but I know kind of like the Polygon supernets, the Avalanche subnets, um, there's definitely like these contracts and it, it becomes with like these centralized organizations in which, hey, there's a setup fee, and then you have to generate X amount of fees per year as part of the contract in terms of gas and gas rollups back to AVAX and back to Polygon, or you have to supplement with with funds to keep your subnet or supernet rolling. Do you guys have a kind of you know vendor client relationship? What I'm trying to envision, what kind of vision that I see is like the hub is like a mall, and you have a a key kiosk inside the mall. It has the has the rent been negotiated, or or is it kind of experimental to figure out what it's going to cost to continue to uh, continue to stay at with your kiosk at the mall? That's a really interesting analogy. Actually, I never thought about it like that. Um, I think like so, you know, th that model and trying to really formalize that relationship makes sense from a perspective of like really having clarity over what the terms are. I think that could be beneficial. Um, in in some context, but I I'm also not completely sure that that that's the right approach for the simple fact that th there are multiple ways that a consumer chain may drive value to the hub. Um, one of them is, of course, like you know sharing um, transaction fees and 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 other sort so sorts of revenue. Um, but but there's also other mechanisms that are much harder to quantify. One of them is like you know allocations of the consumer chain's token if if they have one. That's okay to to quantify because you can track how many tokens were given and what the price um, is and you know when that, that kind of stuff. So, so that's doable. But in terms of like like one of the actual most efficient lever in which a consumer chain can drive value to Atom is by making Atom itself appreciate basically. 
And and that's really hard to quantify because you can't really track what percentage of price appreciation or depreciation is due to what, basically. You have, you know, a multitude of factors that um, play into that market constantly at any given second. And all of these have an effect on the price of the token, right? Um, but but I think like from a mental perspective, it's it's actually fairly easy to to you know to to actually come to a conclusion. It's just difficult to track. So for example, um, in the case of Neutron, for example, if Neutron shared uh, absolutely zero fees, zero tokens, zero like nothing with the hub, but having Neutron on on board made Adam let's say because you know there's a bunch of applications that can be used like that atom can be used in on neutron and because whatever you know but if the hub is 1.5 percent more valuable by having neutron than it is without neutron then neutron is actually already paying for its security budget and generating revenue for 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 the stakers and and, and delegators um but but the problem is that like you you can't really demonstrate this you can't project it you can't quantify that because it's it's lost in the hundreds of thousands of factors of that the market are taking into account at any given moment in time basically um I, i'm so gonna i'm gonna push back on that real quick right so with neutron as a, a consumer chain within the hub like what specifically like utility does does adam have is it because you're going to be using adam in terms of gas fees or is like what utility is neutron adding specifically what where does the atom token kind of come into play well i mean so in, in terms of like very kind of like low level like utility and stuff like yes atom will be accepted as transaction fees um it will be used as one of the main tokens on the chain you know in indexes in money markets in like whatever other protocols like liquid staking and others um it will be a one of the preferred tokens that people using the Treasury management tools that are looking to launch on, on Neutron um, will use because a lot of like treasuries in Cosmos want to hold Atom and they want to do so, um, you know, in various states, either just Atom or sometimes they want to have it staked or liquid staked or in a liquidity pool or that kind of stuff, right? So, you know, all the infrastructure on Neutron that will allow this to happen and to happen way more easily than before um, will allow people and large entities to get exposure to Atom. Um, but the thing is, like, it's difficult to track you know, TVL to increase in price, um, even though you can see like whether or not that has that use case has been used um, or not. But but beyond this, like, like, it's not just like, oh, you know, this amount of TVL in this type of pool translate to this price, right? It, it's a bit more complex than this. There are stuff like narrative strength. Like, I think it's pretty clear at this point that without the replicated security, probably Atom would be at least a little bit less valuable, right? And with replicated security, but no pro no projects looking to launch on replicated security, probably that would still be a bit less valuable than than what Atom currently is, right? Um, and so, you know, like there are these things. It's reasonable to think that they have an impact. It's just very difficult to quantify how much of an impact they have. It seems to me then, like I, I'm I'm totally aligned. Like I totally agree. Like you're adding more utility to Atom. You can have another execution later. Atom can be used on on Neutron to, to do these new different strategies, these new execution layers that you can get into the liquid staking stuff. It seems to me that the only risk left over is the validators and making sure that they're getting enough gas fees or commissions to be able to be continued to incentivize to support consumer chains. 
It, would that be correct? Yeah, I mean, actually, that that's very, very correct. Because if you if you look at kind of like the matrix of who gets what and who pays what in replicated security, um, for delegators, it's kind of a no-brainer because you have zero cost, like like participating in, you know, like the hub having replicated security or not having replicated security has a few added risk. Like you could get, you know, if your validator doesn't validate on the consumer chain like it is supposed to, then you potentially could get slashed. But with the new upgrades and the changes to that, the, that risk is actually very, very low. Um, to get slashed, there would need to be a proposal on the hub to verify that the slashing is honest um, before you actually get slashed. Um, so, you know, it's like the risks are very minimal for you as a delegator and there's no cost. You're not running any infrastructure or anything, but you get additional revenue. So for you, it's basically, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's an 100% win, basically. For the validators, it's a bit of a different question because, unfortunately, there's a bit of a mismatch on the timeline of when you have the additional cost and when you have the additional revenue. Like the the revenue itself, um, like you know, adoption of a project doesn't happen in just in overnight. Basically, it takes some time to to ramp up and become gradually more and more successful. Um, and so, as a result of this, the fees, um, the MEV, and all the other things that may be shared as part of the security agreement can like take time to build up. Um, but the cost for the validator itself is it's instantaneous. Like once people start like vote to launch it, and once you decide to run your node, you need to have the infrastructure. You need to have the engineers operating the infrastructure, all that kind of stuff, right? So your increase in monthly cost it's instant. It's as soon as the consumer chain starts. And so, like that's in my opinion one of the main challenges to the economic model of of ICS because like making sure that the validators are breaking even and you know, hopefully making profits as soon as possible is kind of like one of the things that probably still um, needs more work. Um, and I think part of it is like when, you know, on, on proof of stake chain, the way that the, the rewards are distributed is, uh, you know, weighted by stake. That works fine in most contexts. That makes a lot of sense. I think though, in the context of replicated security, um, it makes it very, very difficult for the bottom of the validator, like the bottom of the validator set to actually start breaking even. And so you have scenarios in which a consumer chain is pumping out money. Um, it, you know, it, it's printing out fees, but still some of the validators at the very bottom are not still like are still not breaking even on the added cost. And of course, like, you know, th there's a lot of subtlety and nuance in, in modeling this because there's a ton of factors coming in, into it, right? And so like in, in practice it may vary a bit, but but basically that's the trend that we see. It's there's a possibility that even a very very successful chain wouldn't be able to cover the cost for the bottom validators not because it's not making money but because that money is distributed in a way where it's very concentrated to the top of the validator set and they only are getting crumbs of that revenue basically and so one of the many ideas that 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 could help um, either mitigate or prevent that issue is to um, develop new ways of distributing consumer chain revenue so one one of the ways that this, this could work is that, for example, we could distribute um, revenue linearly until, like, to validators linearly until they get to a point where we assume that they have already break, broken even. Um, obviously, there are complexities, and, and I'm not saying that that's what we need to do. But what I'm saying is that the hub, as a project, has the ability to decide how it distributes the money that it gets. And so if making sure that all the validators in the validator set are breaking even is a, a priority, which, you know, kind of makes sense because 
um, you know, the faster you break even on a consumer chain, the faster you can onboard a new one that may also drive value to the hub and its delegators. Um, so, it's, but, but so like, you know, developing these new ways of distributing revenue um, or distributing or like improving the distribution of stake, which would also improve the decentralization of the chain itself, um, are, are two areas where we can probably develop better systems and where that would be like plus EV for, for the hub. Totally. I, you know, it's, it's experimental, man. I'm not going to like put your feet to the fire on this. You're, we're trying to, you're trying to figure it out. The relationship between the hub and, and Neutron, the consumer chain, this has never been done before. So mistakes are going to be made. Lessons are going to be learned. And as long as like you're iterating towards the right solution, that, that's super cool. Okay. But we're going to move away from the consensus mechanism for a second and start to come up more to the application layer and the users. What apps, dApps, strategies are you most excited about that Neutron allows? That's a really good question. I mean, there's there's a bunch. I'll 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 just name a few that I'm I'm pretty excited about. Um, so one that I'm very excited about is reshaping the way that we manage liquidity in the ecosystem. Like one of the like one of the things that's kind of like a limiting factor in Cosmos currently is that, you know, you have a bunch of applications competing with incentives to get liquidity from basically the same pool of capital. And I think we, with Neutron's infrastructure, we can build systems that achieve better results for both the LPs and the protocols. One of the ideas that have like been kind of like going around in my brain and in that of other builders um, is kind of like developing a system to pool all of the liquidity in a central repository that then is used to reallocate the liquidity across multiple deployments or even multiple like chains, basically. And so that what, what that would do is that either one protocol would leverage it to have, you know, multiple instances like to ex to exist across multiple chain and then have that liquidity being reallocated depending on like the usage of each outpost and the circumstances on each of the chains. Um, or you could even make it like more ambitious and try to provide a primitive that basically allows all of the liquidity in the whole ecosystem to basically be um, up for up for grabs by any protocol that needs it, and they would be able to, for example, like bid on that liquidity um, and on the amount that they need. Which means that instead of you know just like throwing money as in incentives, they would be able to like way more precisely control how much they're they're spending and for what amount of liquidity. And for the LPs, what that means is also that. There's no opportunity cost of providing liquidity to one protocol rather than the other, because what matters to you is the aggregate usage of that liquidity in the ecosystem as a whole, not just like, oh, is this specific pool going to be used, right? And so what, what you would be doing is you would be providing that liquidity once, and actually that liquidity would be um, allocated all across the ecosystem and its, uh, and, and its taps, and you would be earning fees from all of that, basically. Um, so I, I think that's pretty, um, that's pretty awesome. Another... There's a there's like four whoa, whoa, whoa. there's like four different use cases just in that example right so one is like optimizing cross-chain liquidity a second one is bribes and incentives like making sure that you're getting the the most bribes and incentives for your liquidity pool it also mm -hmm. feels like you can build an arbitrage bot to make sure that you're arbing out any like inconsistencies in in, in, in yep. price across the lp pools yeah and then it also feels like there's there's some sort of like high frequency trading like float adjustment like 
almost like you could make a, a cross-chain DEX aggregator with, yeah, yeah. with, I mean, yeah, with the pieces that you have. Yeah. Um, and even like flash loans as well, because then you have that, that massive pool of liquidity and you like, I mean, you mentioned ARBs, right? So, so that, that, would, that, that would probably be used for that purpose. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, another one that's pretty cool is, you know, you have projects like Mars and Nolas doing um, like lending and borrowing. And then when you borrow, they allow you to still control what you like the you know the both the collateral and um and what you borrowed to some extent and to deploy it within strategies that have been vetted by governance and that, that we know are not gonna like drain the funds right not allow you to just um, take it out so that it can still be liquidated basically and so now with with neutrons architecture what what you can do is that you can deposit collateral on one chain you can borrow on another and then you can access strategies that exist either on that chain or the first one or any other chain in Cosmos, basically. Um, so that, yeah, you <laughs> you can basically go on a roll I, in terms I, of the... I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm smelling Delta Neutral LSDs. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I'm like. I'm like, when when is that coming? That's going to be any day. That's cool. Um, all right. Back to back to Neutron as, like, as an organization. What do you think the biggest milestone uh, Neutron has achieved? And you know, what are some of the mistakes you guys made along the way on this journey? Well, that's a good question. Uh, well, biggest milestones. Um, I think getting interesting queries to work, to work well, and to be fully permissionless, meaning that anyone can come in, register a new type of query, from a, any chain that's connected via IBC and just control, you know, like the frequency at which they want to get the data, which data specifically they, they want to get, all that. So like to make it very generalizable is pretty cool. Um, another one is like in like, so for interesting accounts, like maybe that's a bit more technical than, than what we've been discussing um, so far, but in interesting accounts, you can, you know, you can trigger something like in our implementation of it, you can trigger an action on another chain and then receive the update of what happened. You know, did it succeed? Did it fail? Or did it time out? And then you can react to this. The ability to react is called callbacks. The problem is that the, the, the callbacks themselves allow you to execute arbitrary code, meaning that that code could do anything. The relayer doesn't know about it and what, whatever. And so there's a possibility that you can make code that makes a loop, meaning that it triggers something on Neutron that does something on another chain that triggers something on Neutron that does something on another chain. It just does this forever. And you know that that's fine, that works, and even it generates fees. But the problem is that you have a relayer in the middle that's like passing these packages around and paying for the gas fees at, at, at every turn, basically. And so eventually their funds would be drained. And so by looking into how to fix that and make sure that the validator, like the relayers could have you know, confidence that they can run infrastructure and relayers for neutron in its ecosystem without having to worry about having you know their funds just evaporate. Um, we ended up implementing a fee market for IBC that's forward compatible with the fee market that exists in the future versions of IBC that are not used in production currently, meaning that you can use it today. It doesn't require both chains to have it. You can just, you know, you use it and then it makes sure that it, it ensures that the relayers are getting paid. So that um, and, and when everybody migrates to the future versions of IBC that have this fee market, then you don't need to re-encode your whole application. Basically, you can just like change 
um, you know, it's the, it's the same interface. So, so there's minimal change required. And the kind of cool thing about this is that inadvertently we, we ended up solving another problem, which is that because relayers are not paid in any way, they often need to make, like either they do it out of their own pockets. Um, it, it's rare though, because it, especially for active chains, it, it gets very intense basically uh, because they're paying transaction fees for everyone on that channel. Um, and so more more generally what they do is that they they just go and talk to the foundations or core teams of the various networks or even their governance and they negotiate grants, right? But that's a ton of like just negotiation and discussion and stuff that's required to do something that is absolutely vital to the health of the IBC economy. And so by implementing that fee market, we ended up solving that problem as well by providing the relayers the, you know, the, the confident, like the peace of mind of knowing that they can relay stuff for Neutron, they're going to get paid. Um, they don't need to come and ask us for grants or anything. They just get paid on the spot when they do it. Um, so so that, that's one thing that I think is pretty cool. And also just like, you know, getting on Game of Chains, like, we were the, the first and for most of Game of Chains, the only consumer chain um, project that was able to be ready by the time of that testnet and just deploy it and test it in fairly realistic conditions, essentially. So that was a big, a big milestone. Um, now, in terms of what we could have done better, I think that's a hard question. I think, well, I mean, one thing that we can always do better is how we communicate with people, how we let them know, um, you know, what we're working on, what we're excited about and stuff like all of this, like we're trying very hard, but we can always do better. And like, even today, there are some information that, that we really want to put out to make sure that people are aware of, but it just takes a lot of time to, you know, produce the, produce the announcements and everything and make sure that they're up to standards, that they're clear, all of that. Um, so this is something that we're working on improving a lot. Um, and, and I guess the other thing as well is that, you know, replicated security and its launch was delayed quite a, quite, quite a bit. Like initially we thought it would be launched in like September last year. Um, so our, you know, our initial roadmap kept the project a bit more minimal than, than what we ended up doing because we wanted to adapt to like a, a shorter time frame basically. And so because it was pushed back quite a bit, um, we ended up having more time. And so we we're like, well, actually, that's awesome. Let's do additional features, basically. And, you know, a lot of them will be like tremendous value. It's like token factory, multi-hopping, um, IBC hooks. All of this allow you to have a much more convenient um, use of crushing technologies and IBC in general. Um, but it also, it also, you know, like needs to be developed and then audited and all of this. And so as a result of this, like we probably, we probably will launch a week or two um, like later than we had hoped initially. Um, so yeah, probably, you know, if we had seen this coming before, we probably would have adapted the timeline a little bit more and we would have been able to like ship on time like we usually like to do. W what I'm pretty proud of though, is that we made our roadmap back in September last year, I think. Um, and every milestone, like the various test nets and audits and stuff, we stuck to um, all the way until like, like, yeah like now basically where we're like oh shit we're gonna have to delay it by one or two weeks yeah that that always happens it's like you know the 80 20 rule you get 80 percent of the way there and then there's like another thing and another thing and another thing and plus there's like pretty large contagion risk like without going through this process and being like super super secure it seems like they're you know you don't want to affect the security uh, of the hub or anything within ibc 
Um, we're going to open up the question. So anybody who wants to ask a question, uh, come on up, raise your hand. We'll get you up here to ask a question. Uh, but here's prediction time. In five years, is Neutron still a consumer chain or is it an app chain? Uh, it's definitely not an app chain. Um, but I think it looks very different. Like, like currently, Neutron is like the degree of modularity of Neutron is not very, very high. It's somewhat modular because of replicated security in that it kind of slots in the stake and validator set of another blockchain, but that's not even the entire consensus layer, right? Um, so it's slightly modular, but I think in five years, it's fully modular, meaning it uses the most optimized layer for data availability. It's execution, like, well, it's settlement, it's, it's fully optimized to be the best settlement layer possible. It provides customizable app application-specific execution um, layers to the applications that, that want to launch on them. Um, yeah, that, that, that kind of stuff. Very cool. Yeah, that's that's a very cool vision. The modularity. I mean, this has been in like Web two technology. It's like you don't use the same server for your database as your caching system, as your CDN, right? So it's like all different types of for your storage, right? So it makes a ton of sense. Um, in terms of like partnerships, collaborations, who are you looking to work with in the space, or who are you looking to meet? I think uh, I'm looking forward to meeting the the person who will build the next best nft stuff because we you know we, we we're in touch with a lot of the people building the best like primitives in their verticals and you know it's, it's awesome to get to work with them um but in terms of like i'm pretty sure that we like that we're very far from having exploited the entire potential of nfts as a technology like obviously art is a really cool use case um i don't think it's gonna go away i think it's going to continue to be a, a a big thing but you know from a fundamental perspective i look at the entire financial and legal system and what i see is that every contract is non-fungible right it's uh it's a thing that can do like produce effects and it can't be swapped easily for another thing because it has its own kind of like parameters and, and and stuff right well nfts are basically that they are unique you can't you can't swap one for the, for another and they are programmatic so you can have them do things and so there, there's kind of like early attempts to do that kind of stuff like i know for example mars is developing this idea of the rovers which are um the whole your whole account where you have you know various positions like you have deposits and you have collateral and some some of the collateral may be deployed in various strategies this whole account is actually an nft that you can trade and so, for example, let's say you're nearing liquidation and your account is worth a lot and it's, you know, it's just a dip, right? It's going to go up, but you're, you don't have anything outside. You've already, you know, done everything you could to save your LTV and you can't unwind. You're in a situation where you're going to lose a lot of money, probably for nothing. And it would be very, very interesting for somebody else to get that position, save it and just get the, get the reward when the market kind of like stabilizes, right? Um, so what you can do is you can sell that account and all of its positions before it's liquidated so that that person can realize there's a lot of like underlying value here let me just you know like buy it i'll inject some cash to save the position and then it'll be mine so that's kind of like one of the like cool use cases that i think will will be built 
over time for NFTs, um, which is less linked to art and more to well financial stuff, I guess, which is you know not not particularly um, like news for 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 this industry, but but which I think it makes a lot of sense basically. Um, I, I love that. Um, I'm a big fan of the the VE NFTs and the solidly type of implementation where effectively to be able to get votes, you have to lock up your your token for a period of time. Then you can on a there, there's a secondary market popping up, and what you've effectively done is like having like net present value of these token unlocks, and, and they're kind of some similarly some form of bond, right, with some time unlock for the tokens, which is which yeah. is super interesting. And so you do your and once you get that, and start scraping those bonds and making some like fixed your products, like no no liquidation type of, of loans and stuff like this. Yeah, it, get, it gets really interesting. Like that that that's what's interesting about this this entire space is that these these whole things are interoperable. So every time you make a new Lego, then that combined like that creates a whole ton of combinations with the other ones that have been built before. It's it's amazing, dude. It's so it's so fascinating. The other the other thing in the NFT space that I've seen is kind of like a loyalty NFT. We we talked to Sega Finance uh, the other week on Solana, and they had different strategies, like some delta neutral strategies that were like really high APY. But the only way to be able to get into the strategy is you had to hold a particular NFT to be able to become available. So there was like a premium membership to be able to access certain strategies. I thought it was also a really cool implementation on the DeFi side of things. There's a bunch of people who are looking to use nfts to like on, on the one end to materialize your kind of like on-chain like uh, identity so like like i know um avatar is is one project trying to do this where you're in with various protocols can manifest as like changes to your avatar um which is kind of like the, this one thing where other nfts just like slot into and you can be seen as like accessories and stuff that's one way to do it the other thing is like um, some folks use um, NFTs to represent kind of like milestones or great contributions or stuff like this. And then that just becomes part of that user's um, on-chain identity, which can be perhaps like featured on wallets and stuff so that people can have like a hallmark of their contribution to the industry or can be used, for example, in DAOs to, you know, recognize people who are like OGs in a DAOs who have like built the very significant stuff or... Uh, or like newbies that 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 you should help and provide support to and stuff like this. Like I think there's like a lot of um, a lot of applications. Like we can really get creative here, and I, I really don't think that we've scratched the uh, the, the surface of of can be done with NFTs that are cleverly used. This is super cool. I I, I love it, man. Um, last last call for anybody that wanted to you bring up uh, come up to stage and ask a question. Uh, and from my side, I always like to end like some of the questions that we ask with this question. Is there anything that we could have asked that you wish we would have asked? I was going to say something troll. <laughs> Never mind. Um, <laughs> Go for it. Anything else? Like, it's your it's open forum. Whatever you want to talk about. Can, can, I, can I throw a question by the way? Hey, guys. Uh, it was a great discussion. I was uh, listening in. Um, I'm, by the way, I'm Rebecca from Alpha Growth as well. Um, Spade, what are your thoughts on Kanto? I'm honestly not very, very deep in Kento, uh, like on, on Kento, so like I don't have a great insight here, but it looks fairly promising. Um, hmm. I think, you know, like Cosmos EVM is a thing where um, it's harder than we can figure out, and it looks like Kanto has, has done a really good job at this, and apparently they've also been 
pretty successful at becoming part of the you know ethereum kind of like in like a enlarged ecosystem and and having a place in there so mm -hmm. I, I think that's pretty cool to be honest i actually met one of the founders of kento at cosmoverse before i knew anything about kento mm -hmm. and he can like run through like run me through hey we're building this thing and stuff and i was like oh okay i have no idea what it is but i'll look into it and then i look into it and i realized that oh actually it is cool indeed yeah that's super cool quick quick question follow-up question mm -hmm. um is Neutron going to be EVM based one day, or is it all uh, Wasm based? Cosm Wasm. Well, the the L one itself is is Cosm Wasm. Um, the rollups that may be launched on it one day. That's kind of like a, a different question. I think, like as a permissionless smart contract platform, like like regardless of whether our team decides to build that, um, anyone can do it. So if anybody who wants to launch a EVM rollup on Neutron, it's a permissionless platform, so they can make a, a small contract-based rollups on it, just like they would on Ethereum. So that's the first thing. And then for us, for what we intend to work on, perhaps um, it, it's basically a question of like strategy, right? Um, I, I think in general, you have to find a market that makes sense to operate in and then find what you're good at and really own that, right? And so I think for, for Neutron to be a champion of cosmosm in the industry makes a lot of sense but there's i also see how you know at least erc compatibility but also like like having evm instances run on top of this but still benefit from like the cross chain infrastructure access to cosmos and ibc and stuff like this could be valuable but i also think that there's like a lot of other folks that are working on that and that are just deeper into the evm than we perhaps are so i i don't know don't have a strong opinion on this yet but prob like what what I have a strong opinion on right now is that Cosmosm is really cool and it's really fucking awesome to build on. So, yeah, looking forward to making that um, an even more successful VM than it already is. Rebecca, you have a follow up? No, I mean, it's just exciting to hear it. Um, there's so much things happening in Cosmos and what you guys are building, uh, you know, through Cosmosm. I am really excited, of course, to see rollups, uh, EVM rollups on top of the new trend at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, thank you for the discussion today. Uh, it was a mouthful for me. I need to <laughs> digest it, but Spade, thank you so much. For sure. It was my pleasure, actually. Great chat. And thank you for the great questions. Um, like you guys have a bit of a different perspective than a lot of the guys that we had chats with before. And so it's mm -hmm. it's very basically because you're forcing me to think about, oh, wait, actually, like through this perspective, what's my answer? And I discover with it, like with you. So, you know, it's, it was cool. Thank you. That's awesome, dude. This is this was a really good time. Really got I understand. I understand the the thesis, the value, the value, creative value that you're adding to the cosmos ecosystem. And then fundamentally, like why like everybody in the hub or people like deep that are that are in these protocols um are super interested and super hyped about neutron. Um what is the best way if people you want people to reach out to you, get involved? What's the best way to get in contact with you and follow up? Oh, that that would definitely be well. I mean, we we try to be quite active on on Twitter, and I um, I often just like stalk the conversations and stuff, and come by to to like drop some comments and and some gifts sometimes. So you know, Twitter works, but really the best uh, the best places for that is on our Discord and our Telegram. Um, that's where we're most active. That's where we are sure to actually see um, what you guys are talking about and and be able to react to it. Um, so and and we also like. We also do pretty cool stuff. Like we, we, we try to value our community as much as possible and to bring them 
as much benefit as possible. Um, one, one pretty cool, cool thing that happened recently is that one of the OGs in our community um, decided to create an NFT project. Um, uh, like Soy is, you know, rocking one of the one of the the NFTs right now. Um, and because he was, you know, part of the Neutron community, he decided like, hey, how about you know, I keep some of the NFTs for um, to be distributed to like Neutron OGs and stuff. So we ran kind of like a, a bit of a competition. And it was like tremendously successful. Like people were so so you know happy to participate in that and engage with it. Um, the project itself did really really well. So you know it's it, it's really cool um, that, when that kind of stuff happens. That's rad, Spade. Thank you so much for your time. It sounds like hit them up on Twitter, hit them up on the Discord, get involved in the community. This has been Neutron. This has been an AMA. Soy, thank you so much for putting this together. This is very enlightening. Thanks everybody for your time. Thanks, folks. Right. Cheers. Cheers. Take care. Take care. Have a good weekend. Later. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was Alpha Growth, hosting a discussion on Neutron Tech, Interchain Security, and Developer Onboarding. Recorded on Friday, March 10th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay, Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room, sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe as the latest truth. Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio. Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role Sorting through support from your endorsements Of course we're tripping balls, handing reports in The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Big thinking energy always gets the best of me. When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes. Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, letting rhythm scratch. No shit, spitting facts with my vision smashed. Big drip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash. Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch. Better let the missus know where you hit the stash. Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps. Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines. And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies. Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise. Chastised into digging holes in the back nine. The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view. Just a bunch of pecka heads living in a chicken coop. Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good. So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Spaces.